Hi, this is Kathleen from The Fresh Cookie, and you are listening to the Eat Blog Talk podcast. Hey, awesome food bloggers. Before we dig into this episode, I have a really quick favor to ask you. Go to your favorite podcast player, go to Eat Blog Talk, scroll down to the bottom where you see the ratings and review section. Leave Eat Blog Talk a five-star rating if you love this podcast and leave a great review. This will only benefit this podcast. It adds value. And I so very much appreciate your efforts with this. Thank you so much for doing this. Okay, now on to the episode. Hey, food bloggers. Welcome to eBlog Talk, the podcast for food bloggers looking for the value and the confidence that will move the needle forward in their businesses. This episode is sponsored by Rank IQ. I am your host, Megan Porta, and you are listening to episode number 338. Today, I have Kathleen Pope with me. She is going to talk to us about her amazing story and encourage all of you to just understand that you can start a food blog over 50 and you can make an income while doing so. Kathleen is a recipe developer, food photographer, and food writer, owning her own business for 20 plus years, specializing in product marketing and development for nonprofit organizations. She shifted her focus in 2017 toward her passions, cooking, photography, and hospitality. A fast-growing cooking, baking, and hospitality blog, encouraging families to gather together and invite others to the table, inspiring others to healthier choices and make it yours, providing tips, substitutions, and easy-to-follow real food recipes with a healthy twist. The Fresh Cookie was established in 2017 and has posted over 500 recipes. Kathleen, it is such a pleasure to have you here today. Thank you for joining me, and how are you? I am well, Megan. Thank you so much for welcoming me on to your so informative podcast. I just love it. Aw, well, it's a pleasure to have you here, and I'm super excited to talk about this topic, but before we get into it, do you have a fun fact to share with us? I do. So I have my forklift driver's license. Whoa. Yeah. Years ago, I worked for a large Christian nonprofit that did events across the country, and I was the product development manager, but I also worked the actual stores at these events. We would put up, you know, like a Walmart-sized store in a weekend, and so I was trained on how to drive a forklift. Oh my goodness. Okay, that's really cool. I don't know anyone who, I mean, you always see like you're in the stores and you see the forklift drivers and you're right. like, wow, what kind of training does that take? And you wonder if something's going to fall in your head. Yeah. But I don't actually know anyone who does that. That's yeah. so cool. It's been a long time, but yes, I can do it. Oh, it's like riding a bike, right? You could probably exactly. hop right back on that forklift. Exactly. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Okay. I love this topic because it's a really relevant topic today. I feel like there are so many food bloggers who are over the ages of 40 and 50 and even 60 in some cases, and they are crushing it. I have some really close friends who are, I would say, like, you know, probably some of the older food bloggers, and they're just the smartest food bloggers out there. They've got the tactics down, they do the research, they've got the drive, and it sounds like you have a similar story. So you're 50 plus, and you started a food blog a couple of years ago, and you just decided that you were going to make it work, and you were going to make money. So talk us through your story. How did it start, and where are you at now? Fabulous. Yes. So I was 52 years old when I started The Fresh Cookie. I had had my own business while still have my own business for over 24 years doing product development, 
promotional products, helping nonprofits get their product lines launched. But I was kind of at the stage where I, you know, you can only get so excited about a logoed coffee cup and a <laughs> pen. <laughs> And I really wanted to do something that served more my passion. I was also working part-time at our church at the time, and it was coming to an end. And so I just started kind of thinking and praying about something that would be new and fun and exciting, but would keep me home. Because at that point, my boys were in their teenage years, and I really had felt that it was really important for me to actually stay home while they were in those middle school to high school years. So after kind of stalking some of my favorite food bloggers that I had been following for years, I'm like, how hard can this be? Uh, well, it is hard. <laughs> it's so rewarding. Also fun, right? The fun outweighs the hard sometimes. It really is. And yeah, there's tedious sides to it. But the fun part is the creating and interacting with your readers. That's one aspect that I really love. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Okay. I love that you pointed out that you wanted to stay home with your boys during their teen years because I have that urge to like, I am so glad I'm here with my boys right now when they're teenagers. And I feel like a lot of people discount that. Like they look to the toddler years and baby years and want to be, and that's important too. Yes. But we overlook the fact that they really need us during these middle school and teenage years. And I know that our conversation is not about this at all, but I just, I commend you for that because I think a lot of people overlook that. So good for you. So you decided you were going to do this food blog thing. So how did it go once you dug into it? Well, it was, you know, if I had known then what I knew know now, right? <laughs> I wish I had Rank IQ back then. Oh, yes. I slugged it out for about a year and a half, putting you know a recipe out just once a week. That was about all I could do. And I was really ready to quit. I didn't want you know, it was a lot of work without much reward. And I kind of hit a stride at one point with the encouragement of another blogging friend where I just kept sticking it out. I heard that food blogs, most of them die after about three years. So I just was determined I'm going to make this uh. work. And I tried to learn as much as I could. I connected with as many bloggers as I could. And really just started learning and trying to understand what it meant to grow organic. I knew that was kind of the key of grow organic traffic. And I, here I am. <laughs> yeah. And here you are. So you knew that you weren't too old to learn. And I know that's a stumbling block for a lot of people is like the technical side. Yes. And when you're a certain age, I feel like it just it doesn't click as much as if you were younger, right? So was that yes. a stumbling block for you? Yes, it absolutely was. I'm, I'm fairly computer savvy because I've had my own business and been on computers, worked my whole career. I've been home with my boys a lot, but I've tried to make it just something that I, I'm always a student, just trying to understand technology and industries. My husband always makes fun of me. If, if there's something that I can break on a computer, I'll break <laughs> it. I should be a tester because I'm not afraid to just jump in and try it. And, and that's what I would encourage others to do is just jump in and, and connect with other people. You can learn new things. I think you're actually a little you have sometimes the capacity to do it the older we get. You know, you're not so immersed in what's going on around you. And I feel like sometimes, not everybody, but some people use that as a crutch almost. Like, 
oh, I'm older. I can't learn technology. Like certain people in my life, my parents <laughs> do this. They're like, well, I, you know, I can't, he, my dad has a hard time getting into email and it's like this constant, like, you can do this. You yes. are smart. You are capable. Just sit, don't lean on the crutch of the words like I can't figure this out or it's too complicated for me because you're you're a smart person. Yes. You've lived like 80 years of your life and you can get into email. So that is something that you can get over. It's a mindset thing. So just, I think you've done this. It sounds like Kathleen, you've just told yourself like I can do this. Yes. My mom was actually, she always would chide us as kids, you know, if, when you say I can't, it really means you won't. So I have kind uh, of focused that my whole life and just kind of saying, you know, I can do this. Oh gosh. That is like the best advice ever. When you say you can't, that just means you won't. Oh, <laughs> I love that. Okay. So do you have advice for other people? Maybe they're not 50 plus, but maybe they're even like 35 plus yes. and they feel like, can I do this? Can I make money? I don't know. They're questioning themselves or doubting. Give them some advice. I absolutely do. So the first thing I would do is just encourage people to find a community, find other bloggers that are your same age and stage. I do think that's a little bit easier to connect with because we naturally connect with people that, you know, oh, I have teenagers. Oh, I, you know, do recipes that are healthy. Oh, I love doing copycat, you know, something along those lines, find those people and develop a relationship with them. I, I found my mastermind people through, you know, just DMing and chatting with other women on Instagram of all places, which I cannot stand for the most part, but I am so appreciative of that platform because that's how I was really able to get connected to other bloggers. Yeah. I, that's funny. I actually found one of my, I would call her like my blogging bestie, Melissa from Mama Gourmand. Yes. We connected on Instagram yes. and it's, it's really weird because I too have been resistant to Instagram a lot over the years, but I found her and so many other just amazing food bloggers there. So it is a good platform for that. Do you have other recommendations for where to look? I do. So there's also, you know, so many great communities on Facebook, like Food Blogger Central, still one of my favorites today. Look in your, you know, locally, we have in Denver, we have a Denver Bloggers Club where they, you know, before COVID, they were having monthly, weekly meetings. They She did a conference. That was a great networking possibility. You know, just looking at different opportunities in your area, and they don't have to be right in your area. I have developed a mastermind, or not personally, but I am part of a mastermind group, and we are all across the nation. So you don't have to be right in the same place. And I think it's important to have that that community of people. I think it's vital. I would change important to vital in this world because it can be so lonely, especially if you are already feeling doubtful about your skills or abilities to make it work. I think that getting yourself involved in a group is essential. <laughs> you know what? I totally agree. Yeah. To do things alone, like, like I think I've heard it said many times on your podcast, you know, it's blogging is very isolated to try to do it alone. I think we, we just learn from each other and I, I'm a big believer on asking for help and 
asking opinions, having people filter things that I'm thinking about, bouncing ideas off of. And there are people out there that I think are more than happy and willing because they're probably in the same position. Yeah, right. Everyone needs it. So just go in with that mindset that you're not bothering anyone, that everyone needs this. You're actually helping others as well. Yeah, there you go. And then I'll mention the retreats, the in-person retreats that I've been hosting. They've been so great for this. I know a lot of the members who have come in feel isolated and lonely and like I don't have any friends. And then when we leave our three days together, they feel connected and we stay in touch. And it's a really great way to just really quickly get to know people and like form some really solid friendships. So find a retreat or, you know, organize one yourself. Just form one yourself. It's not that difficult to do. Just find a house and people and and some food and that's all you need. Exactly. (laughs) That's the key. Yep. That brings everybody together. Yep. Okay. What other advice do you have for people? I would say narrow down your areas of expertise. You hear, like I hear all the time, niche down, niche down. And I would not say I am very niche down, but I've learned that we all have areas that we're experts in. I heard a quote a few years ago from Food Blogger Pro that everyone's an expert in something to someone out there. And that really resonated with me when I didn't feel like much of an expert necessarily. And and that was probably my own insecurity and feeling some self-doubt. But I really started to dive into things that I really already knew and develop those. So for instance, my blog has always had, they're real everyday recipes, but they have a, a little bit of a healthy twist. So yes, I still use sugar in my baking. I still use butter and all of that, but I use organic ingredients. I use less sugar when I can. I'll, I'll use organic flour and whole wheat at times. So I found that like that's an area, quote unquote, you know, kind of niched in. I also bake at high altitude and I've been baking and and recipe testing and perfecting high altitude baking for over 30 years. And I'm like, okay, I think that makes me kind of an expert. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that some ways too, like if you're kind of lost in that area, there are ways to do through Google Analytics, Rank IQ, Key Search, different platforms out there that you look at your keywords and maybe pull one out that's more of a phrase instead of you know, a London broil in a crock pot, right? Like I have a phrase, bow tie pasta that I rank for. Well, that actually crosses many, many different things. You can kind of narrow down that area and I can become the bow tie pasta expert. So that's just an example, you know, like find ways to, to kind of drill down into a silo that makes you an expert in that one area. And I think it it starts to really expand and grow not only what you're creating and doing, but people will come to you because of bowtie pasta recipes or beef recipes or whatever it might be. Yeah. So that is just proof that you can, I mean, think about food, the word food, you think of so many things. And then like pasta is just one little piece of food. But bow tie pasta, that is like the smallest little niche niche food right. item you can talk about. So that is just proof that you can narrow down into the smallest thing and be known for it and get really good at it. 
I love that example. So how many bow tie pasta recipes do you have? And like, how do you expand your expertise on that? Do you talk about like making it from scratch or like how deep do you go with that? You know, it's actually a newer one for me and I probably should have given you a different example. But so I have a couple of bow tie pasta recipes, but it's something that I, it's, it's in my calendar for the, you know, coming months to do an air fryer bow tie pasta, you know, to kind of look at some things where, how do I expand it? You can have the pasta salad Basically, your keyword is this bow tie. And, you know, so it's maybe using a different sauce, adding something, a unique way to make the pasta, but it's really just a simple recipe. Right. I love that so much. And I think we all have those one or two or even like handful of things that we're really expertise or we're really experts in, but we don't even really know it. And this might be a good segue to your next point because Rank IQ really helped me figure out what those things were. I didn't know really what things would fall under like my areas of expertise until Rank IQ started telling me. And then I was like, oh, okay, cool. I'm going to write more about like one of my things for Rank IQ was roundups. I started writing roundups and saw on Google Analytics that that did really well for me. So I started digging into Rank IQ more. And then like your bow tie pasta, I started finding these little nuggets. They were like little clues really. And then just started digging in. So maybe you could talk more about how you used SEO tools like Rank IQ to figure those things out. Yes. So I I love Rank IQ and and doing your content analysis and pulling in that information. It, It was so informative to me to pull that up and to see the different variations of the keywords that I could rank for. And I have done the same thing with some roundups. I haven't, summer, I take a little more of a a step back because my kids are home and I really want to invest in and spend time with them. But is starting in the fall, my content calendar is full of, you know, just doing roundups and pulling that information and becoming the the go-to person for things such as bow tie pasta or shaved beef recipes or whatever it might be. That that in and that information I found all in Rank IQ. Yeah, it's an amazing tool. <laughs> I cannot, and I'm so new at it. I still don't know that I can say it enough. I've been using it since October and I feel like I've really hit my stride with it in the last few months. Just understanding like, wow, I really can rank within the first few weeks in the top three positions on some of these keywords. Food bloggers, let's take a moment to talk about a few things that Eat Blog Talk has to offer that is going to add value to your business and accelerate your growth. First of all, head over to the Eat Blog Talk forum. It's totally free. It's off of Facebook and it has a bunch of valuable discussions inside. You can create your own discussion. You can self-promote. You can talk about products and services that you offer without worrying about being removed from the group. Go to forum.eatblogtalk.com to check it out. Also, I have hosted a few in-person retreats here in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and I'm going to continue that. They've been wildly successful. So much connection and growth and learning has occurred within these, and they're fun. So join us in the next one. Go to eblogtalk.com forward slash spring 2022 retreat. You will get access to all of the information for retreats moving forward at that URL. Go there, join the waitlist for the fall retreat and beyond, and you will not be disappointed in that. 
Also, I want to mention the mastermind program. So for 2022, we are full on the mastermind program. Two groups are underway and they're going really well. There are transformations happening. It is such a powerful, positive group of like-minded peers. And we do so much collaboration and learning inside these groups. We will open up new groups starting in 2023. So if you're interested in joining, join the wait list, go to eblogtalk.com and follow the prompts for the masterminds. And last but not least, I've started a group coaching program for foodie creators who are interested in becoming foodie podcasters. If this is you, send me an email, megan at eatblogtalk.com and let me know you're interested in this group coaching situation. Whether you just have an idea or you've already launched or anything in between, we will serve you and we show up twice a month on group coaching calls where we'll answer all the questions you need to get answered so you can start a successful foodie podcast. There are so many ways that we can accelerate your growth and add value to your business. So I hope that you will take advantage of some of these. And now we'll get back to the episode. I love that you said you hit your stride with it because it took me a while too. At first I was like, this isn't working. But yeah. I ha- it, it's like this little formula, but it's such a simple one. And when you figure it out and when you hit that stride, it's like, oh, wow, it's so powerful and cool to watch because like you said, you can rank within a few weeks. Yeah. So I want to encourage other people because people reach out to me all the time because I'm constantly talking about Rank IQ and how awesome it has been for my content. They reach out and they say, oh, it's just not working. I've used it for a few weeks and it doesn't seem to be doing much. So I'm going to set it aside. I'm like, no, 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 don't set it aside. Give it a few months and really try to hit your stride with it like you are, Kathleen, because once you do, you're going to be so grateful. And I wanted to say too that for people who might be technically challenged, Rank IQ is great because there's not much inside the tool. It's not one of those tools you open up and you're like, whoa, I'm super overwhelmed by this. There's really just simple category or columns really that you look through. And once you get them down, they're super easy. Yes. And the optimizer, I think, makes the writing so much easier. And and it's still, you know, hopefully if you're a decent writer, you could you come across sounding very natural and organic. The tips that he has in the little videos, I had to watch those a couple of times to kind of go, oh, okay. Or I should choose my title and it doesn't have to be exactly the keyword that I'm trying to rank for. And I just think it, it, yes, stick with it. I've talked to a bunch of my mastermind friends who have been on the fence about it and not sure about it. I think it's, I would get rid of almost everything else if this is all I could afford. And I love that they have the different levels and you can kind of bounce back and forth with how many reports you do. And it's been immeasurable for me and I think will continue to be. Yes. I love that. I love that you're using that. Do you have any other tips with SEO or just getting into that world for people who are maybe a little resistant to SEO? Yes. So to SEO was definitely one of the things that I think maybe being older, I struggled with. But, you know, listen to the different podcasts that are out there to really try to understand what it is. It is still, you know, I used to be like 80% Pinterest and 10% organic traffic. And I really worked over the last three years to kind of flip that around. And now I'm about 55% organic and about 30% Pinterest and the rest comes from, you know, a variety of different places. But I'm really proud of that organic growth because I think that 
reveals that I've kind of started to understand, you know, what this whole search engine optimization and keyword importance really means and just investigate into some of those, you know, their top hat rank. There's different podcasts that you can listen to, listening to yours, you know, I think helps understand, it helps you understand a little bit better what this whole SEO thing is all about. (laughs) I don't, personally waste a lot of time. I shouldn't say waste. I don't spend a lot of time like Instagram or Facebook, but I do. And I know people are poo-pooing Pinterest all over the place and I don't spend a ton of time, but that is my one other area that I do get a significant amount of traffic on. And so I probably spend like 30% of my time in a week on Pinterest. And I would just say, that's what you should do. You know, focus on focus primarily on your organic and on that SEO and then maybe choose one other platform if you want to and like to but I don't even think you have to do that I think you could focus 100% of your time on your organic traffic and do incredible it really is king there's a reason that is a phrase it's so important to focus on that i always think okay i'm one that like embraces my story i'm so grateful for the way my story has evolved, I'm not, I wouldn't change anything. But if I could go back and focus on SEO more in the beginning, my blog would be so much bigger. (laughs) So it's kind of killer thinking about that, like, oh, if only, but at the same time, I'm like, you know what, if I, my story wouldn't have been this long and drawn out, I probably wouldn't be here doing this podcast. So I totally accept but I did ignore it for a really long time. And I love that you're encouraging people to not ignore it and put a focus on it. Yes. I don't think I ignored it. I think I was just ignorant, to be totally honest. (laughs) I don't think I really, I mean, for the longest time, I'm like, explain a keyword to me. I don't understand this. Well, it's hard to understand, especially if that's not your world. And SEO is not most of our worlds when we start. We're creative people. We like cooking and creating, but when we hear SEO, we're like, what the heck is that? I don't know what a keyword, how would I pick a keyword? And so it's it's such a confusing world. I think that a lot of us resist it to begin with. Absolutely. I know I did. Yeah. yeah, I I, I just didn't understand. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. Well, I think that is great advice. So focus on SEO, but also pick another platform to focus on. And yeah, see how it goes from there. And you can always evolve too. You can always change things. Absolutely. What else do you have? What other great advice do you have? So I also believe that setting up a consistent schedule is it is so important. If you want to make an income from blogging, which is, that was my goal, you really need to treat it like a job. And it can be a job that's a lot of fun. I mean, to me, this is my dream job. I mean, where else can you get to sample copycat crumble cookies, you know, on a daily basis? Oh my gosh, I love, I'm obsessed with crumble cookies. <laughs> but I think that sometimes people don't take it too seriously. Yes, there's a lot of flexibility and freedom in blogging and you are your own boss, but I get up at a at the same time every day, I kind of have my routine. I sit down at my computer by about nine, or I have my plan to, you know, to shoot, to cook, to edit, to write a post. I have a plan every week and I am very consistent with it with an occasional, you know, hiccup along the way. And 
I think it's also important to communicate with your readers. That's a big one that I've really been encouraging my fellow bloggers to do is they've, they, they've been collecting these emails from their readers and they're not communicating with them. And I think it's a treasure trove. And I've done that from the, I personally have done it from the very beginning. That was probably from my own history in the business world is to communicate with my readers. And yes, at the beginning, it was my mom and my husband and a handful of friends, (laughs) but I sent a weekly email and I've developed that into, you know, kind of a personal thing where it's a little snippet of my life. It's the recipe. So it's more than just, it's more like a little newsletter each week. And I love communicating with my readers. And then that's important to me where I personally respond to them, the good and the bad, you know, the nasty emails and the Uh really nice ones. I love that you incorporate just some personal stuff. Can you give us an example of something? Because I think we struggle with that. Like, how do you go from being really personal to talking about your recipes? Do you have, how do you find that good balance? It's still a struggle. So my email has evolved into kind of segments. So I have some inspiration each week. I have what my readers are saying about some of my recipes. And then I just try to tell a little snippet about what I'm doing. Like I recently started swimming and I more for accountability on my part, I started telling people about the fact that I started swimming and I told them I'm, I'm only telling you this because I think it's a great way for me to continue getting in the pool a couple days every week. And then I'll do things like I had my birthday was a few weeks ago. And so I threw in a birthday giveaway and I talked about, you know, birthday gifts are important to me and what's your favorite gift and it gets people kind of talking. It's more than just a one-way communication because those comments then are there for other people to read. That's great. I love that idea of more of it being a communication instead of I'm here to deliver info to you. So you're the recipient. I'm the deliverer. It's more of a back and forth. Like you're swimming now. And so people I'm sure are like, oh, cool. I love knowing that about her. And they'll probably follow up and ask you about it. So it's like a friendship. Yes. Yes. I've always been super relational, probably to my detriment at times. But that's, I think that we are so built for relationship that that's one of the ways that I am fed is by communicating. I'm, I don't just want to be a talking head out there. And sometimes when I respond to those nasty emails, people will actually respond back to me and go, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I thought I was <laughs> You're speaking a to a robot. <laughs> and I'm like, even if I'm educating one person at a time, you know, that there are real people behind these blogs. It's not just some corporation. Then that's, yeah. you know, that's doing my job. Oh, that's such a great message. I love that you mentioned this. It is very easy for me to get in a rut of just being the deliverer and forgetting like, okay, so I do this really well on eBlog Talk site. I will say I'm a, like, it's a relationship there, but on my food blog, it's like, here are the recipes. So I have to remind, after 12 years, (laughs) I have to remind myself, okay, this is a relationship and it's not all about the recipes and that goes for Instagram too, right? Like yes. delivering just content there and making it more of a relationship on other platforms as well. But I appreciate this reminder. This has really hit me today. So thank you. And then, yeah, we'd love to hear. I know you have a few more points. So tell us what else you have for us. Well, so I think it's also important to know your demographic. And again, that's not something I understood right away. But as you 
as you develop your blog and, and you have time under your belt, start to learn who your people are. And while I really wanted, you know, to be kind of more in a mentoring role, because I'm an older mom, didn't get married until I was 35 and had my first child at 37. I really wanted to kind of help other moms realize, you know, how important it is to get food on the table. But the reality was my, my, or is my demographic demographic is between 45 and 75 years old. Oh, wow. And I absolutely adore some of my 70 plus year old readers. They're the ones who email me. They tell other people about me. Oh, yes. I've actually started now that we're going to be empty nesters in the fall. I'm going to actually develop a whole new recipe category of just developing recipes, you know, that you can cook for two, which would work, you know, for younger couples as well as older couples. Right. Yeah, that's cool. And then how do you get to know your demographic? Is it just by tuning in and listening to who's writing you back? How do you do that? Yes. So a little bit of both. So some of it, I, you know, from Google Analytics, you can go in and actually set up your demographics so you can see what your age group is, but mostly it's through communication. And like I said, that probably comes hand in hand with the fact that I am doing this email and regularly communicating with my readers or they'll DM me, but I have people say all the time, they'll give me their age because I'm honest about my own age. I think that that starts opening people up and just understanding, you know, this is what they're wanting, seeing what recipes are doing really well on my blog and kind of almost reading into that, you know, intuiting into it like, oh, gosh, this, you know, healthier Mongolian beef is doing really well. Like, why is that? Well, it's quick. It's easy. It's scalable. So that to me tells me a little bit about who is looking at my blog and what, why they're there in the first place. Yeah. A huge theme from our conversation is just really like listening and paying attention to a lot of things that are going to make a difference. So your recipes, themes, what you need to narrow down, your people, just really like tuning in. I think that's such a key that we tend to zoom past because we get so busy and we're like in it, you know, like in our businesses, just doing the things. We forget to tune in sometimes. Yes. So I love that this is a theme. This is great. Okay. You have one last tip you want to give us. Let's hear it. Yes. Don't do it all by yourself. It kind of circles back really to what I talked about in the beginning is get into a community ask questions. I found that really most food bloggers are so friendly and willing. I am so grateful for the ones who've mentored me. I have another good blogging friend in my mastermind group. She's, she always says, you know, rising tides lift all boats. And I really believe that that's true, that we can, in this world of, you know, it's all about me and it, we're all out for me. I am more like, I want to see how I how can I serve you? How can I help you? Because I think that that comes right back around on you. I love that. If you are struggling with, I don't know, feeling lonely or overwhelmed, or I can't do this, doubting yourself, that is actually a really good place to start. So your last point is a really good place to begin. Like serve someone, go all you have, you don't have to look very far. Go to Instagram and find someone who looks like maybe they could use help or they're struggling, they're lonely and serve them in some way. Serve somebody else and it's going to come back to you. Not that you do it 
to do that, like to get something in return, but that will be a byproduct. I think it's a natural byproduct. Yeah. Yes. I think that the more we can reach out to others, be helpful, be willing, it's only going to naturally increase our own understanding, right? We, We learn along the way. Oh my goodness. You have so many great points here. And this is not just directed for people at 50 plus. I feel like this applies to everybody, every food blogger, because we all feel inadequate at times and, you know, wondering if we can do it, questioning ourselves, our abilities, our skills. So this gives us all some really great tips. So thank you so much, Kathleen. This was such an amazing conversation. Oh, it was so fun to do this with you. And I so appreciate this time. Same. So why don't you end by giving us either a favorite quote or words of inspiration? Okay. My quote is from the Bible. It's actually from Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. I call it my life verse. And it's trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. And I've recently added, being a food blogger, I've added verse 8. It says, this will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. I just love that. And I kind of filter everything in my life through that. It's, I feel like it just steadies me and, and gives me hope and passion to face each day. Oh, I absolutely love that. So you remind yourself of it daily. I love that too. Do. Okay. So we will put together some show notes for you, Kathleen. If you want to go check those out, you can go to eatblogtalk.com forward slash the fresh cookie and cookie is so clever and I love how you spell it. It's um, C-O-O-K-Y. So tell everyone where they can find you online, on social media, et cetera, Kathleen. Absolutely. So it's the fresh cookie with a Y.com. And on Instagram, um, Facebook, Pinterest, my handle is all the same. It's at the fresh cookie. And I just did that little play on words. I love it. I love to cook. I love cookies and I'm a little kooky. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yes. Kooky. That's funny. Oh, well, it's been such a pleasure talking to you. And thank you so much for being here, Kathleen. And thank you for listening today, food bloggers. I will see you in the next episode. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Eat Blog Talk. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd be so grateful if you posted it to your social media feed and stories. I will see you next time.